Uh, morning, y'all. Thanks for having me. Um, I always like to start with y'all so you know what you're getting into. Um, it, I have a little bit of an accent, as you can tell. Uh, I was born and raised in Kentucky, outside of Fort Knox. My parents were connected to the military. Um, and then I served in campus ministry for 10 years with Crew, what was formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, before moving to St. Louis to attend Covenant Seminary, which is where I met Jordan, um, although he just graduated the other night. I don't know, was anybody there? Were any of you all there? So, it, you know, he, he got announced, right, and there was this huge, just this huge roar, I guess, his family up front, and the, 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 one of our professors who was announcing it said, well, they're from California. You know, he just let everybody know that they were a little loud and rambunctious. Um, but I, I appreciate Jordan inviting me. We've become friends in class. And so when he was uh, out of town, he invited me. Um, my wife is here in the back with our three girls. Um, we have an eight-year-old about to be nine, a six about to be seven, and a new four-year-old. And then my wife is pregnant with a boy. So about to be some changes in our family. Uh, her mother-in-law, or her mother, my mother-in-law, is also here along with her aunt and her cousin who are all visiting. So y'all are welcome to greet them uh, at the end of the service. Um, when, I, when I was doing campus ministry, one of the things I became passionate about was what the Bible had to say about authenticity and about relationship. Um, so that's going to be kind of the direction and theme of this sermon this morning. Um, you can turn if you want to. I think they'll also have the, the scripture here to 1 John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 10. Um, if you have a Bible and you're not totally sure where 1 John is, near the back, it's really short. If you go all the way to the back to Revelation and flip just a couple books back, you'll find 1 John. Um, but as you're turning there, I want you to consider a question. I want you to consider the question, what do you think about when you hear the word relationship? Do you think about dating, marriage? Do you think about family relationships you have, parents, siblings, children? Do you think about friendships that you have? Maybe you think about some positive experiences you've had with relationship or maybe, unfortunately, some negative experiences. And what about if we added the word real to that? What do, you, what do you think about when you hear the word, when you hear the phrase real relationship? Do you feel excited by that? Maybe like me, you feel a little bit anxious by the idea of real relationship? I know that I feel a little bit uncomfortable thinking about real relationships. Maybe you think about a best friend or a close family member that you have real relationship with. Some of you, I know from experience, are thinking, I don't have any real relationships. I don't have anybody that really knows me. And some others of you might even be thinking, real relationship scares me. I don't want to be known because of what someone might learn about me, what they might think about me. Maybe you've even been rejected before when you've tried to pursue Real relationship. As we read the passage this morning in 1 John, what the Apostle John is doing is he's talking about real relationships. Now, he's going to use the word fellowship, so be listening for that as we read it. But what he's talking about is real, authentic relationship. So let me read these verses, and then we can try to explore a little bit together 
about what John is talking about. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. As we get started, let me say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this morning, the opportunity to come to worship you and to read from your word, to hear what you have to say about your cleansing power that works in us through Jesus. We pray that as we look at what you have to say about him and us through John, that you would open our eyes to your truth. I pray that we would see Jesus as the one who makes us real. Help my words to be faithful to you and what you want to show us. Amen. Now, you might have noticed the title of the sermon is odd, The Velveteen Rabbit. I, I would guess most of you had not heard a sermon with the Velveteen Rabbit as a primary theme. Um, that's because the Velveteen Rabbit as a story has kind of gotten lost in our culture a little bit. Even if you've heard of it, you may not have actually read it, and that was me for a long time. I had heard of the Velveteen Rabbit, but I had never read it. So you may wonder, how does a 35-year-old seminary student end up reading The Velveteen Rabbit? Well, I mentioned that I have three daughters, and when you have three daughters, you end up watching and reading a lot of things that you never anticipated watching or reading. Um, but for every My Little Pony or Star Wars Lego episode that I watch, um, there are some stories that I get to hear or read that actually really resonate with your heart, even as an adult. And the Velveteen Rabbit is one of those. Um, in coming to read it, I've realized that it's one of the most powerful stories about authenticity, about acceptance, about being real that I think that I've ever read. Um, let me share just one short part of it to start uh, as far as the summary of it so that you kind of know where we're going. It begins with a boy who gets a Velveteen Rabbit as a Christmas present. He loves the rabbit when he first gets it, but he kind of soon forgets about it in favor of sort of nicer, more mechanical, expensive toys. Um, and, and in the nursery, this is kind of like Toy Story, right? The, the, the toys can talk in the nursery, and they have relationships and interact with each other when, they're, when the people are not around. And the mechanical toys always look down on the other toys, and they say, we're real and you aren't, because, you know, they can move and they can do these different things. This, along with a lack of love and attention from the boy, leads the rabbit to feel insignificant and common. And so he did have one friend in the nursery, the skin horse. And the skin horse is really old, and he's really honest. And so the velveteen rabbit has a conversation with him one day, and I'm going to read some of this conversation, and I want you to listen 
to this. What is real? Asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came in to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside of you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. So what is the children's story about a toy rabbit who wants to be real have to do with, with 1 John? Well, according to the Apostle John, this longing to be real that the rabbit had, to be in relationship with the boy, is a longing that we all have. We all want to have relationships where we're so understood, we're so real in others' eyes that we won't be rejected and we won't be ugly. But we know that when we're in a broken world, surrounded by broken people who are broken just like us, that's hard to find. I mentioned before that in our passage, John calls this kind of relationship fellowship. And he says that the thing that prevents fellowship, the thing that prevents real relationship with God and with others, is what we call sin. You see, John is writing in this passage to a group of young Christians who were confused about how sin impacted their relationship with God and with others. They needed correction and they needed assurance on how to have real relationships in a broken world. Fortunately, John helps these young Christians and us to see that it's only through Jesus that we can become clean from sin and enter into relationship into real fellowship, real relationship. You see, Jesus makes us clean. And what does that mean for us? That means that we can have real relationship with God and with others. So we've got two points today. What does real relationship with God look like? What does real relationship with others look like? So first, how can we have real relationship with God? If you look with me at verses 5 and 6, in the passage, John tells us that God is light. And as Christians, if we say we have fellowship or real relationship with him, but we walk in the darkness, then we're lying. Now, we'll look at why he begins this way in a minute, but I want you to first clarify, I want to first clarify something that could be a little bit confusing about these terms light and darkness. In our culture, we use light and darkness like John is doing here, sort of metaphorically, but we use them a little bit more generally. So for a lot of times we'll say that light is good and darkness is bad, right? The problem is that can lead us to read this passage as saying that God is good and as long as we aren't a bad person, then we can have a relationship with him. 
Now, hear me say, I understand why we read it this way. I doubt that many of us here this morning would say, I'm a bad person. We look around the world, and we know what bad people look like. When one of my daughters says that her favorite Star Wars character is Darth Vader, I say, no, he's bad. Pick somebody good. So we recognize this idea of good and bad and light and dark. And we want to believe that if God is just, then he's going to understand the same dichotomy between light and dark that we do. But I want you to consider that not only does God recognize that dichotomy, he's actually more just about it than we are. When John says that God is light, he doesn't simply mean that God is good. He means that God is perfect, or what the Bible often calls holy. And when he says that if we walk in the darkness, he doesn't mean if we're a really, really bad person. He actually means if we walk anywhere outside of the perfect light of God. I want you to think about that for a minute. If we read the verse that way, that actually can be pretty scary. Because I do that every day, and I'm pretty sure that you do that every day. Every day, we walk outside of the perfect light of God in some way. The Bible calls that sin, and it says that that sin, that walking outside of the light, makes our fellowship with God, our relationship with him, impossible. Because God is perfect, holy, and just, he can't have any relationship with darkness. Now I can understand why the Velveteen Rabbit is afraid. Fear of rejection. Fear of having no relationship. My walk in the darkness, my sin, makes real relationship with God impossible. Yours does the same. So what's, what's the hope? Where is there any chance of having a real relationship with God when we know that we sin every day? Well, look with me at what John says in verses 7 and 9. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word cleanse has so much power behind it. Thank God that through the work of Jesus, God restores the relationship between us and him. It's not my ability to constantly stay in the light, to constantly walk in perfection. I have to be made clean by the one who's already clean, by the one who's already in perfect relationship with God, Jesus. He's the only one that can cleanse me and make me clean. I want to go back again to the story of the Velveteen Rabbit and look a little bit later in the story. Um, the boy has finally come to the nursery. He's finally taken the rabbit as his favorite toy. He sleeps with him every night. He hugs him. He holds him. He kisses him. And this love eventually has its effect on the rabbit. Listen to these words. And so time went on, and the little rabbit was very happy. So happy that he never noticed how his beautiful velveteen fur was getting shabbier and shabbier and his tail becoming unsewn and all the pink rubbed off his nose where the boy had kissed him. Spring came and they had long days in the garden for wherever the boy went, the rabbit went too. He had rides in the wheelbarrow and picnics on the grass, lovely fairy huts built for him under the raspberry canes behind the flower border. 
And once, when the boy was called away suddenly to go out to tea, the rabbit was left out on the lawn till long after dusk. And Nana had to come and look for him with the candle because the boy couldn't go to sleep unless he was there. He was wet through with dew and quite earthy from diving into the burrows the boy had made for him on the flower bed. And Nana grumbled as she rubbed him off with a corner of her apron. You must have your old bunny, she said. Fancy all that fuss for a toy. The boy sat up in bed and stretched out his hands. Give me my bunny, he said. You mustn't say that. He isn't a toy. He's real. When the little rabbit heard that, he heard that, he was happy. For he knew that what the skin horse had said was true at last. The nursery magic had happened to him, and he was a toy no longer. He was real. The boy himself had said it. That night, he was almost too happy to sleep. And so much love stirred in his little sawdust heart that it almost burst. See, what John is telling us is that only a declaration from the one who loves us can bring us into real relationship. God, through the cleansing work of Jesus, declares us to be clean and welcome into his arms, into his real, perfect, relational light. Just like those that John was writing to in this letter, each of us needs to be made clean and real by Jesus. We constantly battle walking in the darkness. But when we fall, we have one that speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus. We have one that makes us clean. The blood of Jesus washes us clean, and when we turn to him, confess our sin, rather than ignore it or deny it, then we're restored to real relationship with God. I know that deep down, each one of you is just like me. You long for fellowship with the one who made you. Would you confess your brokenness and your sin to God? Would you let Jesus cleanse you? That's the only hope there is for real relationship with him. But it's a hope that doesn't depend on your or my own ability. It depends on the finished work of the one who loves you, Jesus. Let Jesus cleanse you and let him bring you into real relationship with the Father. We long for that restored relationship with God, but we also long for restored relationship with people around us. So let's look at our passage again and see how we can have real relationship with each other. Look at verse 7 with me. When I was in campus ministry, I would often read the first half of this verse and then let students guess what the second half would be. So I would say, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, and unless they already knew the verse, they would almost always say, with him, right? It makes sense that walking in the light would foster relationship and fellowship with God. But it shocks us when the verse actually ends with one another. How does walking in the light lead to real relationship with each other? Well, I think here it's good to ask a couple questions about what light does. What happens when light is shown in a dark place? Is it possible to shine light on something and not expose what's really there? I think we know the answer is no. That's what light does. When, when light shines, darkness disappears, and what's really there is exposed. Now, when some of us hear that word exposed, that is quite frightening. 
I say us because I'm afraid of that every day. When we think of who we are really being exposed to other people, we think about shame, guilt, fear. We think about being caught. Caught in our ugliness, caught in our brokenness, caught in our sin. As someone who's experienced this fear most of my life, I can say that it can be paralyzing. When I'm in a situation where the real me is being exposed to someone, I can physically, literally feel my insides tightening up. I have tape running in my head that says, it's not okay to be really known, to be exposed. All that fear, all that guilt, all that shame comes up. But I want you to think about for a moment where the, where the real root of that fear is. I don't think the fear is in someone seeing the ugliness and brokenness of the real me because that's there. I think the real fear is that that person will then reject me. The real fear is that that person will say no to having a real relationship with me because of what they see. It's the fear that the real me isn't worth relationship. That fear strikes at the core of who we all are because God made us for real relationship. And when something puts that at risk, warning signs go off in our minds and we immediately want to escape. Christian poet and pastor John Donne famously said, no man is an island. What he meant by that is that God doesn't create any person to live without a real relationship with others. Just like God exists in real relationship in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect relationship eternally, so he designed us to live in real relationship with him and with others. It's who we are as image bearers, relational people. As image bearers, we also have the incredible ability to give value or to inflict wounds on other image bearers. A little bit later in the story of the Velveteen Rabbit, the boy leaves the rabbit on the ground near some woods, and two actual rabbits come out of the woods and see him. They begin to notice that something is different about each other, and the actual rabbits begin questioning the Velveteen Rabbit about why he won't come play with them. They ask him if he can jump. They ask him if he has hind legs, if he can dance. And the Velveteen Rabbit begins to fear as he realizes how different he is. Listen to these words from their conversation. The strange rabbit came quite close. He came so close this time that his long whiskers brushed the Velveteen Rabbit's ears. And then he wrinkled his nose suddenly and flattened his ears and jumped backwards. He doesn't smell right, he said. He isn't a rabbit at all. He isn't real. I am real, said the little rabbit. I am real. The boy said so. And he nearly began to cry. Just then there was a sound of footsteps and the boy ran past near them. And with the stamp of his feet and a flash of white tails, the two strange rabbits disappeared. Come back and play with me, called the little rabbit. Oh, do come back. I know I'm real. But there was no answer. Only the little ants ran to and fro and the bracken swayed gently where the two strangers had passed. The velveteen rabbit was all alone. Oh dear, he thought, why did they run away like that? Why couldn't they stop and talk to me? For a long time he lay very still, 
watching the bracken and hoping they would come back, but they never returned. And presently the sun sank lower, and the little white moths fluttered out, and the boy came and carried him home. Weeks passed, and the little rabbit grew very old and shabby, but the boy loved him just as much. He loved him so hard that he loved all his whiskers off, and the pink lining to his ears turned gray, and his brown spots faded. He even began to lose his shape, and he scarcely looked like a rabbit anymore except to the boy. To him, he was always beautiful, and that was all that mattered. He didn't, matter, he didn't care how he looked to other people because the nursery magic had made him real. And when you're real, shabbiness doesn't matter. See, we have the opportunity to be like the rabbits or to be like the boy. We have the opportunity to speak words of life or words of wounding to other image bearers. And John wants us to remember that the work of Jesus, the cleansing work of Jesus that restored our relationship with God also empowers us to walk in the light and live real relationship with others. Our relationship isn't something, our relationship with God isn't something that we use to hold over others as an achievement. It wasn't accomplished by our efforts. It was accomplished by the work of Jesus and the declaration of God. Just like the rabbits in our story didn't choose to become real rabbits, they were made that way by their creator. Yet they use it to lord over the velveteen rabbit. So the question is for us is how are we going to use our God-given relational power? Will we call out the ugliness and the brokenness of others in order to elevate ourselves? Or will we speak words of life, love, and acceptance like the boy so that we might enter into real relationship with others. When we have the opportunity to relate with another person, we have to remember that they are an image bearer who needs the cleansing work of Jesus just as much as we do. Another question we have to answer is how are we gonna respond when people speak words of relationship or words of rejection to us? When another person is willing to walk in the light with us, are we willing to expose ourselves to that risk? I encourage you that the benefit of real relationship, the relationship that God designed you for, is not only worth it, it's the only way to really live in the world that God created. But not everyone is a safe person who's going to speak words of life and relationship to you. There are many who, unintentionally or intentionally, will speak words of rejection. We're told by our culture that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words have power, both those we give to others and those we receive from others. Like the rabbits in the story, people will say words to us that make us question if we're real, if we're worthy of real relationship. And we're tempted to question our value as people because of the relational wounds inflicted by other people. And when that happens, we have to remember Jesus and his cleansing work. His work and his declaration has made us real, not the words of rejection that we hear from others. When those wounds come, and they will come, rest in the love and cleansing work of Jesus. His work enables us to give and receive real relationship in the face of rejection. Let Jesus cleanse you and enter into real relationship with him and with others. 
At the end of the Velveteen Rabbit, the boy gets sick with scarlet fever. And the doctor comes and says that he's going to recover, but he's afraid that all the things in the boy's room have been infected and have germs, including the rabbit. So he gets thrown into a bag with the trash for the gardener to burn. And as he waits in the bag overnight, the rabbit reflects on his journey that he's been on. He thought of the wonderful day when he first knew that he was real. He thought of the skinned horse so wise and gentle and all that he had told him. Of what use was it to be loved and lose one's beauty and become real if it all ended like this? And a tear, a real tear, trickled down his shabby velvet nose and fell to the ground. And then a strange thing happened. For where the tear had fallen, a flower grew out of the ground. A mysterious flower, not at all like any that grew in the garden. It had slender green leaves the colors of emeralds. And in the center of the leaves, a blossom like a golden cup. It was so beautiful that the little rabbit forgot to cry and just lay there watching it. And presently, the blossom opened, and out of it there stepped a fairy. She was quite the loveliest fairy in the whole world. Her dress was of pearl and dewdrops, and there were flowers round her neck and in her hair. And her face was like the most perfect flower of all. And she came close to the little rabbit and gathered him up in her arms and kissed him on his velveteen nose that was all damp from crying. Little rabbit, she said, don't you know who I am? The little rabbit looked up at her, and it seemed to him that he had seen her face before, but he couldn't think where. I'm the nursery magic fairy, she said. I take care of all the playthings that the children have loved. When they're old and worn out and the children don't need them anymore, then I come and take them away with me and turn them into real. Wasn't I real before? asked the little rabbit. You were real to the boy, the fairy said, because he loved you. Now you shall be real to everyone. You see, John is teaching these young Christians and us that we live in a world that's a mix between the already and the not yet. What I mean by that is that there's a tension between the world now and the world that's coming. We've been cleansed by Jesus, yet we still need to confess the sin that we fight against every day. We walk in the perfect light of real relationship with God, yet we constantly venture back into the darkness and don't practice that truth. We have the privilege to be in real relationship with other people, yet we fear rejection and we reject others through the words we speak. Will we always be in this tension? What hope is there for us? Praise God that there's one coming who will end that tension, Jesus. One day we'll see him, and like the Velveteen Rabbit, we'll remember that we've seen his face before. He will turn us into real, the complete and finished kind of real that is real to everyone. Let's pray. Jesus, would you come? We long for the day of your coming, of your return. We long for you to finish the work that you started in us. We long to be made fully real. But until that day, remind us every day of your cleansing work that covers our sin and makes it possible to really know you and others. Go with us and be with us for your glory. Amen.